down with a guy, you have a talk with him, you show him some video or in practice, you, you go out and you work on something that can benefit his game and you see him implement that. It's a little bit like being a, a parent, you know, like it can happen where you say, hey, don't touch the stove. And they go do that. Like, hey, put the puck deep. Don't turn it over. They still do it. <laughs> but now when you see a guy, he tries something, he does it. And he comes back to the bench smiling like, hey, we worked on that yesterday. And uh, that's a that's a pretty rewarding, rewarding thing. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I'm Lucas Favalli, and this is Crunch Chronicles presented by Wendy's. Today on the show, we catch up with a former Crunch forward who spent parts of two seasons in Syracuse during their affiliation with the Vancouver Canucks. We're talking about Josh Holden, a Vancouver first-round draft pick who began his pro career in Syracuse in the 1998-99 season. He split that rookie campaign between the Crunch and the Canucks, logging 29 points in 38 Crunch games and adding another six in 30 games with Vancouver. Then he would return for a second season with Crunch in 1999-2000, the final year of the Canucks affiliation in Syracuse, and he would produce 51 points in 45 games for the Crunch. That was despite being injured at the start of that season. And then he did also add another six points in six games for the Canucks. Throughout the rest of his career in North America, Josh would continue to kind of go up and down between the NHL and the minors, mostly the AHL. There was also one season when Vancouver's affiliate was in the IHL in Kansas City, and that would continue until he would go to Europe during the uh, NHL lockout in 2004-2005. And, well, he's never come back. He's remained in Europe ever since, and most of that time has been spent in Switzerland. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Wendy's Pretzel Bacon Pub Cheeseburger is back. Dive into a bite packed with warm, savory beer cheese, applewood smoked bacon, crispy fried onions, and hot and juicy beef. All perfectly paired with a Dr. Pepper at participating U.S. Wendy's for a limited time. Dr. Pepper is a registered trademark of Dr. Pepper 7-Up, Inc. Lee Baldwin and Company is a proud sponsor of the Syracuse Crunch. For all of your investment needs, check them out at investtoday.com. Lee Baldwin and Company, you do the dreaming, they'll do the math. Doing awesome and super excited to be a part of it. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, we're excited to have you here today. It's uh, it's, it's so much fun to get a chance to catch up with everyone. And and uh, I guess we'll start with what you have going on currently. Uh, where are you these days and what do you have going on? Yeah, so uh, it's been a long time, but uh, living in Switzerland, uh, this is my 18th year here, uh, was a player for 13 and finished my career in the same team and then ended up uh, being able to transfer into coaching. So this is my fifth year as an assistant coach uh, in Zug, Switzerland, uh, where I played actually the last 10 years of my pro career. So uh, family's growing up here, uh, girls are happy, I'm happy, so for the for the short term, it's been a great opportunity, great place to, to live and uh, really, really enjoying it. Yeah, you say short term, but it's certainly been a long term there uh, in <laughs> Switzerland. It has been uh, a great journey for you. All right, well, we'll start with, I guess, the coaching. Uh, how did that how did that evolve and how did you jump into uh, that side of the game? Yeah, so being in the same place, I actually played in the top league in the NLA in Switzerland in Zug for nine years. I was turning, well, I was 39, turning 40 that year and the organization was like, okay, well, you're, you're getting close, you know, but, uh, and they had a, like a farm team that was connected with it. So they're like, would you be willing to be like our extra import? So we have a guy right on call 
as well as kind of work with the young guys to teach them kind of how to be pros. Cause we had a, a, some junior kids there, but also some other, you know, 20, 21, 22 year old kids that are making that transition, trying to become professional hockey players. So I did that for a year. Uh, and then after that, I was a, I was a long, it was like going up and down again. It really was a flashback to my, uh, you know, first year in Syracuse going up and down four or five times throughout the year. Luckily it was uh, in the same uh, arena, not cross continent, <laughs> but, uh, and then after that last year in uh, 2018, um, they made a coaching change and the new guy coming in, his name was Don Tagnus, uh, a Norwegian guy. We were the same age and he had been coaching in Sweden. So he had quite a, a more European base uh, puck possession type game, very interesting. And he needed someone in Switzerland that knew the league, knew the players maybe still had a connection to the dressing room. Uh, so that's kind of how it started, just kind of jumping in there as the third assistant and being a bridge between the players and the coaches and, and learning from there. And it's, uh, it's been a fun, fun ride since. Yeah, how much have you enjoyed that side of the game? Is that something you're going to continue to, I guess, pursue moving forward? Yeah, I mean, the game of hockey, I mean, it's a passion of mine, right? Three years old, my dad got a pair of skates from a buddy at work. Uh, he brought him home. We tried him on. Next thing you know, yeah, just kind of fell into it. So, you know, I, I remember like get, being drafted, turning pro, all that. It just happened so fast. It was never, I, I guess, I, yeah, I remember growing up wanting to be a cowboy or a fireman, <laughs> you know, growing up in Western Canada. Uh, and then hockey just kind of came about and was with it. But uh, that's kind of my degree. You know, I, I didn't go to school. I kind of fast tracked with junior hockey and pro hockey. So I didn't get uh, an education at a, a higher level. So with that education in hockey and all that experience, I thought that was a, a good fit with something I still love. But the biggest difference or takeaway from being a player and a coach is like, as a player, you probably only see, if I can explain like an iceberg, you know, like the tip of the iceberg, that's what the players see. The other 90% is really what the coaches do in behind. So it's a whole new appreciation for the game. Uh, yet learning so much more about like this fun game that I was able to play uh, but now try to help help these guys uh, execute what they want to do. The work the coaches have to put in, it's the long hours, it's the uh, yeah. the every days. And we were just chatting before we started here what the, the schedule is like there in uh, in yeah. European leagues, and, and you've got a crazy one going on right now. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a little bit different. We start uh, in July. Uh, or say, sorry, end of July. Guys show up. They do some testing, make sure everybody's in shape. Then pretty much first week of August, we're on the ice. And then we go for like six weeks of like training camp. So it's not so much like North America where it's kind of like one week and there you go, game on. You know, you get some time to, I mean, you still have to physically show up in shape, but uh, our team plays in the Champions League, which is all the best teams around Europe. And that starts uh, end of August, beginning of September. So we really only have three weeks, maybe three and a half, where we, we really are like in competition mode, uh, which is great. Uh, but throughout the season in Europe, in uh November, December, and February, they have national team breaks. So because the leagues, like in Switzerland, most of the best Swiss guys, there's a few, of course, in North America. Uh, but during those tournaments, those North American guys can't come over and play. So the Czech League, the Finnish League, the Swedish League, the German League, they all break for a week, and those national teams get together and have tournaments. So we kind of get a little break in between there, but typically we're playing three games a week, usually Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. Uh but throughout time, because of scheduling all that, there's usually two times throughout the year where two weeks get compounded and we're going through like a five games in eight days. And like you were saying, as a coach, uh, 
the holiday uh, there's no holiday right now <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing you you were able to find some time for us which we now we appreciate even more here uh, on the show today you've been in switzerland for so long what about you know that country do you enjoy uh, you've obviously been very comfortable there now your family has grown up there as well uh what about just that that country has been so uh i guess been a special place for you yeah i think 0405 uh, first time we came to Europe was the lockout year where some guys, you know, remember a lot of NHL sent guys down. And I was in St. John's at the time for two years. And then my agents kind of recommended like, listen, like there's a, you're kind of like a veteran guy now. What if you go to Europe for a year, give it a year, see what happens. So I went to Finland and I was only gone for two nights that whole season. <laughs> and so I was like, wait a second, this is a whole new life, you know, like at home. And we had, uh, you know, young kids, young girls. Uh, so my youngest daughter, I probably the great connection was able to be there for much more. You know, I wasn't missing first birthdays, first steps, being on the road for two, three weeks uh, at a time. Uh, and then during that season, I got offered a contract in Switzerland where we're like, OK, I mean, Finland's a, a good hockey country, much very respected. Uh, but the opportunity for a great life, be at home as well, still playing a skilled uh, league. Um and uh, have the opportunity to raise my family in a yeah an interesting country is has been uh, extremely great. But uh, there's been some bumps along the way. You know, the girls were in the international school because uh, we wanted to have that English base. But then in like 2016, we decided like, okay, are we are we all in to try to stay here, or do we just pack up and go back to North America? Because the plan all along was like, once you're done, like, yeah, what am I going to do? We go back to North America and. And start from there but uh we decided to go all in we put the girls in the swiss school uh, they made that transition and we had about 18 months of uh, a lot of tears uh but i think they speak more swiss german and uh, other languages than they do english aside from at home so uh full respect for them so that opportunity to try to stay we really had to integrate uh and uh, that came out to be quite good i think for our family for again in sports, right, we look at hockey, if not many guys stay in the same place for that long, but I think for me to have the opportunity to move up, I'm probably going to have to move somewhere. That will come, and you have to be open to that. Uh, but for now, uh, being able to stay here in Zug and be here this long has been just a, a wonderful time. What a valuable experience for uh, for your girls there too to to have that opportunity. That's that's so unique, and that's I guess one of the beauties of of, of hockey to give them uh, that opportunity as well as along with you and uh, the family to be there in Europe for so long. And we're chatting in the middle of of what is we know the atmosphere in those games is is everyone says it's that the soccer style atmosphere, and yeah. we're in the middle of the World Cup right now, so I'm sure all of Europe is going nuts with that. Plus the hockey. Yeah. What's just the the sports vibes like right now over there? Yeah, uh, there is a, a lot of emotion and passion that people are not afraid to let loose. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting, you know, even watching some games or watching Formula One or, uh, yeah, the football games with guys. It's, it's insane. I mean, even uh, the downhill ski racing, <laughs> they're not afraid to cheer for their uh, Swiss. You know, I think all of Switzerland would stop when Roger Federer would have a tennis match, you know, to watch so, but yeah, like on to the other sports. I mean, if you go like uh, you see the English Premier League with football, it's a whole nother level um, in the, the Bundesliga in, in Germany, a whole nother level. I was at a game in uh, in Munich, 75,000 people. Uh, yeah, and it, it was crazy. Uh, our, our little rink here holds, uh, well, yeah, 7,200. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. 
And when we get full, uh, last year we won the championship. I mean, it was like the whole building was shaking. It was unbelievable, unbelievable. So it's to, to allow people to pay that ticket, have a say with what they want to say is we, we're not winning. Okay. But when we do win, and they're they're supporting us. It's it's awesome. Yeah, you can't top that. That is uh that is so. I mean, that's spectacular for sure. What is the the, the most enjoyable part for you then to, being there? You know, now on the coaching side of things, just what what do you enjoy the most these days? Um, still being able to go to the rink, um, enjoy conversation, talking hockey, uh, and now I think as a player, you have the job to kind of execute, right? So coaches come up with the plan. They give you a, a little thing here and there different coaches have different ways of doing it you go out and you try to execute with uh an opportunity like in a physical way right you can you can move you can have action as a coach it's got to be like communicated uh the right way you got to trigger guys different ways so the reward i think now is like when you sit down with a guy you have a talk with them you show him some video or in practice you, you go out and you work on something that can benefit his game and you see him implement that it's a little bit like being a, a parent you know like it can happen where you say, hey, don't touch the stove. And they go do that. Like, hey, put the puck deep. Don't turn it over. They still do it. <laughs> but now when you see a guy, he tries something, he does it, and he comes back to the bench smiling. Like, hey, we worked on that yesterday. And uh, that's, a, that's a pretty rewarding rewarding thing. I love that analogy, though. Don't touch the stove. Don't do it. I, they can't help themselves. I got to do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's It's so perfect. Uh, Josh Holden is our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. Uh, Josh, we'll start to shift now to your your time in Syracuse. It was a couple of seasons back in the late uh, 1990s. Uh, you started your rookie and your pro uh, career with the Crunch back in 1998-99. Uh, Before we dive into that season, just your general thoughts on your uh, on your two years spent in Syracuse. Yeah, uh, honestly, good memories. You know, like uh, turning pro, I think being a part of a, a healthy organization with people around that are willing to help you. Cause I mean, I was young, right? 20 years old. I played junior hockey, but I was living with people. This is your first time where you're alone. So I've got like an apartment, you know, and I think I was, you know, up and down four or five times the first year. Uh, so to have some people there that are on top of things, willing to go the extra mile just to keep everything comfortable and kind of help guide you, you know, like not hold your hand, but help guide you was uh significant. I think, you know, Jimmy Sorosi there and, Vance Lederman, these guys were solid office guys for us that uh, kind of like set in stone, like a foundation that we felt comfortable when we were there and going up and down. They did took care of us uh, around the city. I think my first year I lived in Village Green. <laughs> I, I think I think it's like north of the one of the lakes there. Yeah. We have a rough, vague memory of it. I lived up there with a couple guys and that was uh, pretty fun. And uh, we went to the to the mall a lot. I think Kahunaville. <laughs> that's not around 90s. anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah well in the late 90s that was the place to be at <laughs> so but uh yeah i mean it was uh really i look back at it and um really enjoyed just the opportunity to be a part of that organization for a few years really We'll certainly circle back on uh, on Jim and Vance and Howard, the the three, I guess, pillars uh, from the non-hockey staff who have been here basically forever for this organization. So we'll circle back on them shortly. But just starting with that that first year, you you kind of talked about it, turning pro. You, you were up and down a bit between Syracuse and Vancouver. Just, you know, what sticks out to you from uh, that first season pro? It's it's certainly a big adjustment off the ice, and it's another big adjustment on the ice as well. Right. Uh, first time I got called up, I think – I can't remember where we were. I think it was in Albany. 
uh, and after the first period, the coach called me and said, like, hey, uh, not going to play anymore. I was like, oh, okay. And he goes, I, he kind of played a little bit of a joke. And I was like, okay, like, what did I do? You know? And he's like, no, you're going up to Vancouver tomorrow. And like with a straight face. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And then they kind of started smiling, laughing, like, listen, we got to, we can't have you getting hurt. You got called up. So you're out. So I was like, oh, man. So I'm sitting on the bench and all the guys are like, what's going on? What's going on? You know, they kind of figured it out. Uh, so that first kind of call up was kind of like, oh, this is interesting. Uh, went up and then up and down a couple of times uh, throughout the year and then finished the season in Vancouver. And then, uh, uh, yeah, I think don't think we made the playoffs that year. But that was that was a little bit tough because you didn't really feel like a part of either team. You know, I think I played 35, 40 games in Syracuse and maybe 30 some or whatever in Vancouver. So it's kind of half and half. Uh, so when I was up, I was kind of like trying to keep up with the the main guys, you know, in and out of the lineup. And then when I was down, I was kind of like, you know, get back into those groups that were there, you know, and kind of hang out with them. So, yeah, it was a lot of living uh, out of uh, suitcases and in hotels. And, but again, like to be honest, like just having that that base in, in Syracuse was good. It felt like a easy place to go to, even though there was that uh, joint team that year. Um, but the coaches were good uh Jack McElhargy and uh Glenn Patrick I believe uh you know solid guys that took care of us and they they helped they wanted us to move up so they did everything they could to help us so that but that first year was a good learning experience I don't know if I've ever heard of a first uh, call up being in the middle of a game and you get you're sitting out that is that's got to be a pretty unique story that's it's such a an odd one but uh pretty neat uh to I guess have a chance to watch the game the rest of the way <laughs> yeah yeah I just remember some of those old rinks there, you know, like they weren't that warm. <laughs> so when you're there, it's like end of October or whatever it was. And you're like, man, like, oh, I almost need like a little blanket or something on the end of the bench there to stay warm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Definitely a fun story to kind of like tell. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it was funny. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned Jack Magalhar. He was the, uh, the head coach that season for the crunch and, and the dual affiliation as well. We'll talk about that. And we know, on the ice, the team certainly struggled that year record-wise. Um, it just the dual affiliation didn't work. But Jack was such a, a key part of the the beginning of this uh, this franchise in Syracuse, the the, the first head coach. Um, you know, what, what do you remember from him? We know he was a demanding coach from what we've heard, but uh, certainly a great guy as well. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, another thing, making that connection now with coaching and, and playing, uh, looking back, some you know i think in human nature we do that right you look back and maybe not you can't worry about the past but you can kind of learn from it and uh he kind of let me play he was pretty hard he had the expectations but he was always honest um and then i remember a few years later i was in training camp he was assistant coach in vancouver because he moved up and he kind of pulled me aside during one pregame skate and just kind of asked where i was and i thought he was kind of like uh attacking me and i was a little bit on edge and nervous and he kind of like started laughing. He's like, Josh, what are you, what are you doing, man? Like, he's like, I know you, like, I'm here to help you. And I kind of always uh, look back at that, you know, like a situation is like, just regret feeling that he was trying to attack me when he was like genuinely trying to help. I'm learning that now when I approach guys and they're like, Hey, how you doing? Like, what, what do you mean? How am I doing? How are you doing? You know, like, <laughs> kind of throw it back at me, but no, he was a, he was a good man. You know, he was honest. And I think honesty in coaching is, uh, paramount right um and uh yeah it's a um guy that's missed for sure yeah and there's no doubt uh it was certainly a big loss for the uh for the Canucks organization uh last year mm -hmm. uh just that you know it, it's funny you say that 
communication, I guess, how important that is as a coach, which you've you've learned now and, and maybe as a young player as well, just understanding how, you know, that dialogue and that communication can be so valuable as a player when you were a player and now as a coach as well. Yeah. When I first started getting into coaching, uh, Dan Tagnus, the, the head coach, he told me one thing. He's like, hey, you're going to learn a lot about yourself in coaching. And I was like, okay, like, I think I, I know who I am and everything. And now it's funny because without him, I probably would be a totally different coach. Because he's, he's helped me find like a, a calmness, you know, uh, a focused energy, uh, you know, not too emotional all over the place. You got to, it's when you're a fan, it's okay to be emotional. <laughs> But as a as a coach, you got to keep it directed so that when you're giving information, it's clear, right? If you're giving information and one day you're kicking the garbage can and the next day you're like, you know, talking real quiet and real nice, and you know, then the guys are like, like, okay, who are you? What's going on? So uh, finding that level of communication, being there with the guys, uh, different approaches with different guys. It's, I mean, you're working with humans at the end of it, right? Like, I mean, they're not just players, and that's a uh, I think in Europe with not, not as many, not as much depth, I think we're able to connect pretty good with the players. You know, sometimes maybe guys get lost with uh, depth charts and whatnot and says, yeah, we just don't have room for them. So send them down and no explanations given. And you're kind of like, you know, like it can happen anywhere, but uh, just an example, but yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. The, the communication is something that needs to be learned and uh, uh, trained and thought about and the words you choose to use, they can go a long way. Josh Holton is our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. We talked about the dual affiliation that year. You were obviously uh, a Vancouver product. The the Crunch uh, had had Pittsburgh in uh, for that final season before they started the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins. I mean, these days that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, outside of the very rare occurrence, the pandemic season a couple of years ago is one of them. But uh, I think the league finally realized and teams finally realized that they're not great. Those dual affiliations. What was it like from your perspective? Uh, you know, obviously a lot of Canucks prospects were here but you also had a couple from a different team what was the the dynamic like that year i think from the player side you know you kind of wonder who's getting maybe the favorite spot <laughs> you know uh obviously both teams have guys that want to play you maybe have uh each team has a top three forwards you know or top two defensemen right so who's getting the ice time who's getting the power plays who's getting the pk goalies you know same thing who's getting more games uh so i think from that side that that was probably the hardest thing to like understand, I guess, as a player. But yeah, it doesn't really matter because the coaches make the decisions. But and then to find the fine tune those relationships, it was like a little bit funny because the next year you see the guys and yeah, you're playing against them. It's like if you ever go from one team to another and you get like traded and you go back to that arena or back against that team, you're always it, there's always like a little bit like what what which side am I on here? So that was it was kind of funny for like a year. Uh, or ever going back to Syracuse. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think they're onto something there. It's better if you can have control, I think, from an organizational standpoint of your own team. And uh, that gives you the opportunity to choose like how you want to develop certain guys, right? You can kind of lead them into roles, uh, give them assignments along the way and, and, and fluctuate those accordingly. But yeah, I was... If you ask me if I ha would I do it, I would say no. <laughs> well, fair enough. And and uh, like we said, the, I think the league has figured that out. Thirty-two teams now in the AHL, uh, one for each NHL uh, affiliate. All right, so that was your first year. We move on to year number two now uh, in Syracuse. Again, you split some time mm -hmm. between the Crunch and Vancouver, but uh, most of that year spent in Syracuse. You had a, the team was much better. It was back to just the single affiliation, uh, and and you had a great season as well. What do you remember from uh, your second pro season with the Crunch? 
Yeah, that was an interesting one. It was, it was a tough one. Actually, I started the season right at the end of training camp with a sports hernia. So right after the last game, uh, they said like, yeah, you got to have surgery. And I was out for I think eight weeks or 10 weeks. So did the rehab in Vancouver, then came down to Syracuse. And then, yeah, was down for most of the year, up and down, like quick, maybe for a week here or two games there. Um, but that year was the opportunity to, like, I think become more engaged with the team. You know, like we formed a more camaraderie. Uh, Stan Smeal was the coach, his first year coaching. And uh, I think it was interesting because he just was one of the guys. You know, it, it was interesting from his perspective because it was new to him. So how to approach, what to do. And he would come in and, uh, you know, pregame skate and sit down and have a coffee and ask the guys what they did last night. And guys would tell stories and they would be laughing or playing video games or whatever. And uh, he would be laughing. So it was fun. I think that whole connection he brought us in to like want to play for him, whatever he put on the table, we tried to do our best to execute. Uh, I think we had some, you know, good, young, talented, maybe a little bit arrogant guys that, you know, wanted to play hard and uh, even mix it up a little bit and score goals and everything. But uh, that second year was much, much better. I think there was a good positive vibe. It was clear. It was everybody there together and the guys that were going up and down. I think there was healthy competition. You know, so it's like, okay, yeah, he got his chance. He's up for a couple of weeks, but then the door kind of kept going and another guy would get his chance. So you're kind of fighting to be that guy that could go up. You know, Jim always jokes that that was, you know, not only was it Stan Smeal's first time coaching, it was his first time ever in the minors. He had, uh, he had, when he was, you know, with Vancouver, he'd started weight with Vancouver and, and never played a, a single game in the minors. That was his first experience. And, and uh, it's great to hear that, you know, your experience with him is, I think everyone would agree was just, because uh, Jim says it, he was probably the nicest guy who's ever been in this organization. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. I think he was a, a solid uh, individual person again similar to Jack very honest uh, he had a way and I think he also had that respect factor uh, from the guys in Vancouver that knew what he was saying he genuinely was trying to like help get us where he was um, and that that can go a long way you know telling stories are of the good and the bad um, I think I even had him for the next couple of years after we left Syracuse he coached the, the front team for Vancouver as we bounced around um, and formed a good relationship with him but I uh, very respectful person and uh yeah i was a little bit young and dumb sometimes with uh, maybe how i responded to him but i know that his intentions were always to get the most out of his players josh holden our guest here on crunch chronicles so that year you know like we said great year on the ice team was is uh, mm -hmm. successful you make the playoffs uh just what was that you know the i guess the first taste of of playoffs uh for you uh, that year with the crunch mm -hmm. Yeah, much better, much better. I remember we finished the season, uh, I think Peter Schaefer, Brent Sopel, and myself, we got sent down and met the team in Hamilton, I think. If I remember correctly. I don't know if that was the end of the year, if we had a game, and then uh, we had just that quick little little playoff series. But, I mean, we were only up for the last two weeks or whatever it was there. Um, but coming back down to that group that we were kind of with most of the year was, uh, I think, maybe that just that difference maker that pushed us through over the end to have that, kind of playoff run and uh, early on in my career, I never had the opportunity to have like a long playoff run, but uh, getting that experience of just, uh, you know, playing um, different roles, different positions, you know, PP, penalty kill, uh, starting a game, last minute of a game, up, down, you know, like just all of that. Uh, and then getting to into the playoffs, that was kind of our goal. And uh, again, just 
it, would, it didn't come to what we wanted it to at the end of the year. You always want to end the season on a win. We, we finished on a loss, but it was, it was just really, I can't tell you enough, Lucas, those two years were, were awesome. Well, we talked about uh, Howard and, and Jim and Vance. We'll circle back to them now. We'll start with Howard, who was uh, obviously, he was the brains behind everything at the start of it to bring this, uh, this team to Syracuse. What was, uh, I mean, and he's done such a great job with his organization for almost 30 years now. What do you, what do you remember? What's, you know, what's your experience like with Howard? Uh, so I first got sent down to Syracuse. I was taking a connecting flight through Detroit. Uh, I was just standing there, had my hat on, yeah, jeans and a, I don't know, probably looked like a bum. And this guy came over to me. He's like, uh, Josh. And I was like, yeah. And he says like, Hey, I'm Howard Dolgan. And I was just like, okay. Uh, you know, and he's like, uh, yeah, the, with Syracuse crunch and kind of like explained, expressed himself to me. And I'll never forget, like, you know, first impressions go a long way. But he just said, uh, listen, I've heard great things about you. I've seen the things you can do. And I'm genuinely so happy to have you as part of our organization and part of our team. And I just was kind of like, okay. And I don't think it was until after that that somebody's like, yeah, that's like the, the, the president. Like, that's the CEO. And uh, But he came across just as like a normal guy from, from the crunch. Uh, so I was always like, man. And that every time I saw that guy after, he was always uh, – super good to me even over the years he sent me a couple messages through linkedin or facebook or something that different times and i always had just a tremendous amount of respect just for how he treated me as just a, a young punk <laughs> coming to his team uh, that first time so uh yeah good man yeah there's no doubt about it and uh, again he's kind of been one of the key parts of all of this working out for now in this 29th season the other two yeah. Jim and Vance and uh you know you already touched on them a little bit but uh they're both characters Jim is uh has been involved so much uh, and Vance was also here since day one what about those two guys yeah I remember Vance had like so much like energy he was always like smiling running around seemed like a like a busy guy doing lots of stuff but he always had a smile on his face and anything we ever asked him he was always like yeah good uh so again fun memories from this guy and uh jimmy like what a character he did so much for me my first year like in learning how everything was helped me get everything set up you know now what we do as coaches we we want to help our guys become pros and i think he did some little things that maybe he doesn't realize that helped me become a pro and then the next year uh i met my wife and she was coming in out of town a couple times he picked her up at the airport got her to the uh, the apartment or the hotel, whatever, wherever we were. And uh, while well, we were out of town, you know, like getting in that night or the next day. So like little things that people did uh, that, you know, need to be recognized. And I think that shows a lot of the character. And like you said, when you have those guys kind of in an organization that have been there for so long, leading that you create like a culture and that culture I think is still standing and yeah, well, even over here in Switzerland is uh, clapping for you. So yeah, it is. Uh, well, those three are are just. Uh, I mean, you can't say enough good things about uh, those three and and why it's been so successful. Josh Holden, we uh, we before we let you run, we'll just wrap up with uh, any final thoughts or uh, you know a, you know a story, a thought, or whatever. However, you want to take this on your time in Syracuse. Yeah, no. Again, I'll just go back to Kahunaville, man. We had some. <laughs> I think after games, it was like, yeah, let's head over there see what's going on. Played some games, had so many tokens. And I think me and uh, Zenith Komarniski, we had, I don't know how many, uh, like of those stuffed animals that you could get from all those tokens and stuff. And we'd all put them all in his apartment in his spare bedroom. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, young, dumb, playing games. Yeah, it's pretty funny. But we had, no, again, uh, looking back at it, 
big time memories for those two years uh, helped set up the base for me as becoming like a pro hockey player being in that organization and uh, very grateful to be a part of it and to see the success that is going on there uh, I'm rooting for you guys well, Josh, we appreciate the time here today. Uh, thanks again for doing this. Uh, congrats on the success you have going on there in uh, in Switzerland, and we wish you uh, well as you continue to look for even more success. Awesome. Thank you so much. There he is, Josh Holden. We thank him for giving us the time, and we hope you enjoyed the conversation. It's so awesome to see the success he's had in Switzerland, where he has spent such a long time and really majority of his career now, both on the ice and now as a coach there in Zug. And we appreciate him giving us the time and finding some time while managing what has been a very busy schedule. If you have any Josh Holden stories, we'd love to hear them and share them on an upcoming episode of the show. You can send in a voice memo to me via email lfavali at syracusecrunch.com. I loved his story about meeting Howard for the first time at the airport on his way to joining the Crunch. That's a unique one and uh, really uh, good to hear uh, that initial conversation and that initial interaction between Josh Holden and Howard. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the show. Thanks again to Josh Holden for joining us here this week. For all of us with the Syracuse Crunch, I'm Lucas Favale saying so long for now. We'll chat again next week on another episode of Crunch Chronicles. Crunch Chronicles.